For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 351 of This Old Marketing for November 22nd, 2022. That's 2222, and the Thanksgiving Black Friday special, I should say, of This Old Marketing. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and you know, probably one of the only media professionals I know not to be roughed up at the World Cup, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Are you watching? <laughs> I am. Uh, well, I should say this. I'm I'm watching kind of like I'm not getting up for any games or anything. But being West Coast here, it's you know. It's, oh yeah, you have to. You not, you could just. They're stay not time up. convenient for me. Yeah, you could just stay yeah. up, but you go to bed early because you stay on East Coast. Time. I do. So you're in bed like it's light out in Los Angeles when you go to bed, right? It's not that. It's not that. It's that's close. An old joke. I'm it's, assuming it's that's, close. that's 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 yeah. It's close. Yeah. It's close. Yeah. I do go to bed early though. I go to bed. Probably around ten, right? I'm. I like to read before bed, so I'm probably in bed nine thirty, nine forty-five, and then I and then I read for a while, uh, and then and then hit the lights. But yeah, it's just not a time convenient uh, situation for me and the World Cup. So I've been watching. I've been following the drama more than I've actually been watching the 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 matches. The political um, although, drama, you know, which, the Americans tied. So well, yeah, you know. that was. That was a surprise that they tied. I mean, they were up 1-0 and everybody wanted to win, but I think the fact that they came away with the ties is a good thing. So, yeah. Yeah, well well, yeah, we'll see how we'll see how things progress from here. Um and happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Is this a I think this is our 10th Thanksgiving episode. Oh my goodness gracious. Which is crazy. That's a, that's, that's 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 an correct, old turkey, actually. my friends. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is truly it's the turducken of podcast. <laughs> this old marketing is the turducken of podcast. That's I think. I love that. I love that. It's hard yeah. to believe that we started this in 2013. Uh, actually, November of 13. We did. So yeah. this is this is our tenth. That is correct. Which is crazy nuts that we're still talking. To, that, well, not. You know, we have the podcast, but the fact that we're still talking to each other is kind of phenomenal. It's in the phenomenal it's, category. It's in the phenomenal category. I do like that. Yes, I, I like putting it into the phenomenal category. The fact that a we're still friends, uh, b that we're still doing this, and c that we're actually still speaking beyond this. Right? I know. You would have you would have thought we would have reached sort of the Jerry Lewis, uh, Dean Martin stage of our partnership where they stayed together for the show but didn't actually speak to each other off stage. I wonder if it's the fact that we don't see each other very often that is the key to our successful relationship. Yeah, it's a long distance love. It's really <laughs> it's what, when you think about it. Long distance relationship. Yeah. Yeah, we're 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 a couple thousand miles away from each other. I think that that works very well. It's it's it healthy. <laughs> it's very healthy. That's, that's what our psychiatrist says yeah. anyway. Said, well, we've had, when I mean, we our... there's no, I mean, it's no secret that we've had couples therapy. I mean, we got through it. You apologized. <laughs> it worked out just fine. It's all good. 
<laughs> but I don't want to steal your thunder because I know you're going to talk about some of the things you're thankful for. You do that on every I do every Thanksgiving episode. So I don't. I know. I do. Uh, I, you have. Uh, okay. You did in the last one. So of course, with I, my yes. short term and long term memory issues, everything you know, you do it all the time. That's that's. It. I will. I will speak a little bit in our rants and rave section about things that I'm thankful for this year, and uh, yeah, and I've I've put a little thought into it. But yeah, okay. I, I I am. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for the fact that we're doing this ten years later and still having fun and being stupid and all the things that uh, that make this show what it is. Actually, you know, it's funny. I'm trying to change my behavior on that. I I tend to exaggerate <laughs> because what I'll say is tend to. I'll say that happens all the time. Or right. that never happens. And then my wife, she says, does it really happen all the time? How many times does it happen? And I said, yes, three. It happened three times. But it feels like all the time. You know, so I, well, it's, I, like when, it's like when Trump says everybody's, everybody's talking about or everybody says. Yeah, it's like three people. So, yeah, yeah I, I do that. Which is a thing now. In me- it, that's a, a mainstream media uh, thing where, you know, the you'll see the article that says something to the effect of public aghast at flub in NFL booth or something, you know, there's, there's some crazy controversy and it was basically seven people on Twitter making a comment on it. Right. I, yeah, I think that that's definitely a thing. And then they take, they show all seven tweets in the article and they're like, Oh my God. And you think that there's a million people, but it's really just those, those seven people. So exactly. I'll, I'll tell you the thing that I'm trying to get. This is going to now call attention to it and I'm going to get so much crap Ooh, from good. the audience. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, the I say, you know, I, I listen to our show on occasion and I say, you know, a lot. I've actually got a little post-it note on my monitor that says, don't say, you know. So if you hear me like pausing or hesitating, it's because I'm trying not to say the filler words, you know. I'm sure it's turned into a drinking game at this point. But yeah, I'm, uh, that is the thing that I am trying yes. to wean myself Which off of. Which is why I was drunk last episode. I mean, exactly. this is my, my... Like most episodes. <laughs> Mine is so. So, that's my yeah, filler so. word. So I use it all the time. It's, it's terrible. It's getting out of hand. So, it, it is. It is so, for both of us. So let me tell you. So, okay. Yeah. Before we start, the and show, now that we've called attention to both of those things, the, all the audience is going to be listening for are those filler words and marking them down. Okay. Every I'm time sure you we'll say you know, somebody, or I say so, we'll just ding the bell. Yeah. I don't have a bell to ding. I mean, I could put a bell in, <laughs> but I'm too lazy from a production standpoint to do it, and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> all right. It would take so long to do. It wouldn't really. I mean, you could have. Some artificial AI, it's a job for tool. AI. It's a job for AI, yeah. Yeah. As long as we're not talking about like General So's meal, like a Chinese, whatever, right? It's like you got to, or maybe oh there's, there's some you know new marketing whiz called John, you know. <laughs> and then you're saying, you know, and the bell, you know, said, Bell's ringing. Okay, people already hate this episode. Okay, I have to mention this because this is why yes. I'm in a crabby mood, and I already talked to you about it, but I'm going to say it. because is it the Browns? No, I don't even... Oh! I was fine. I don't even want to... Okay. I've watched, All right. I've All right. watched seven of the exact same game. We dominate the first quarter. We stay in it in the second quarter. We lose the second half. 
our whatever whatever the problem is, our coaching staff cannot adapt to in-game changes. What is going on? Our team is actually very talented. Yeah. And congratulations on your win, by the way. I called that one. I knew Decisive, that was yeah. the, the Vikings were overdue for a major letdown game, and you just ran all over them. Yeah, they stepped on their neck for sure. sure it was uh, it was a it was a very enjoyable way to spend a Sunday afternoon. I, I wouldn't know. It was. I wouldn't know how that <laughs> happens. I, I have no idea. All right, so here's why I'm a little punchy. Okay, I this started yesterday with organizations sending me happy Thanksgiving emails. Now, when I'm subscribed uh. to something, I don't want to get your happy Thanksgiving. That's all it was. Happy Thanksgiving, little gobble gobble, <laughs> and and I and I hate that because yeah. I did not sign up to get a wasted email from you, and you know, cluttering up my email with your nonsense Happy Holidays stuff. So I started to unsubscribe, and then I've really gotten into. I've probably unsubscribed in the last two days over a hundred emails, and what wow. I've learned, Robert is there's a good and a bad way to do it. The good way to do it, if somebody's going to unsubscribe, is you can... F- so first of all, you can see it at the bottom of the page, and you click unsubscribe, yep. and it just unsubscribes. Yeah, you're done. You're done. Yep. It says, thank you, sorry, or we'll miss you. I'm fine. I could deal with all that. Come back. Then there's ones where I can't find it, or I've got privacy settings that I have to go into. I'm like, oh, geez. Right, yeah. Then I hit one this morning... Where I clicked on it, and then it says, okay, give me your first and last name and your email. So I'm like, okay, first of all, you know the email. You just sent me the email. You know exactly what it is. Second of all, I'm not going to give you more data, my first and last name, when I'm trying to opt out of this thing. Right. And it was from a very reputable organization, by the way. My favorite, my favorite one of those is where you click on the unsubscribe link and then you go and it's a panoply of newsletters that they offer. The ones you're subscribed to are not checked and they say, which ones would you like to unsubscribe to? And you're like, I don't know. It's <laughs> all of them. I know. Right? Where's the but unsubscribe up, all? That's what right. I want. And, and you have to, you have to remember which ones you're actually subscribed to because clicking yes on, and then it's, and then they try and fool you with the. Yes, stay subscribed or no, please not unsubscribe me. Maybe, you know, I mean, if the buttons are all confusing as to which one actually unsubscribes you. Isn't that terrible? You go to unsubscribe and then you be, end up you're subscribed to seven new newsletters after you right. do that process. This is yeah. terrible. Anyways, I'm still on the I, I have another probably 50 or 60 to go before I end my Thanksgiving route of emails that I'm going to go through. So, but that's well, why I'm good. punchy. It's good that that's how you're spending your time. It's it wasn't supposed to be this way, <laughs> but it had to happen because and you know who you are. There's some yeah. marketing manager that had this really good idea that you were going to send out a Thanksgiving or a Black Friday email. Well, just don't. Just <laughs> stop it. And and so here if you did that, you can make yeah. amends. Don't do the same thing during Christmas well, it's and it's too late for you now. It's too late for you now. Well, I'm not. I'm just, you're, you're gone. I'm gone, like, but you can save yeah. the rest of your list. 
I'm just, it's just ridiculous. You might be, you might be in the minority on the being annoyed by a Thanksgiving email. You might be. No, there's no way. No, no, no. I want what I signed up for. I don't want anything more. I did not sign up to get your good wishes on this holiday season. No, I didn't. All right, we'll get off your yard. We'll, we'll, we'll. And this is our Thanksgiving episode. This is, it's going to be full of good tidings. Grateful for Joy's goodwill. So, anyways, <laughs> are we are we going to do a show today? Is it going to be? We are going to do show? a show. Yes, we've got a we've got a, a fast. I mean, as you might expect, being Thanksgiving week, it's a bit of a slow news week, and of course, we have to talk about the bird uh, platform a little bit because things are moving fast and furious. There, we'll talk a little bit about Twitter things, uh, including the fact that I'm taking a pause on Twitter for the moment. Um, we'll talk about Disney because. The Disney gets a new boss, same as the old boss, uh, to quote the Who song, and has already announced a deeper restructuring of the media company, and Joe's definitely got a take on that. We'll talk about how CMOs are now investing in personal brands. Uh, I definitely have a take on that, and I think it's just a fascinating trend. We'll talk about Mr. Beast and how he has now claimed the biggest YouTuber, uh, I guess, crown if that's the right way to put it in the world uh we'll talk about rants and raves like we always do of course and joe is going to talk about i know this is going to be shocking to all of you he's going to talk about email as an owned media channel shocking and i'm gonna just uh i'm gonna you know wax philosophic for a moment on the things that i'm grateful for uh which includes all of you by the way uh, and uh, yeah, that's like you that's do every year. It's going to be like a good you've one. done every Indeed. Thanksgiving episode. I did not even realize that. I, I, I now that now that I know it's a tradition, I'll make it a tradition. It's probably ten been, years later. It's probably it's probably been five of the ten. Okay, but that's that I, constitutes. You're much enough. better at remembering those things yeah. than I am. So <laughs> I don't know that's, about that. That's, but <laughs> anywho, all right, cool. All right, let's yeah, let's get to it. We're going to start with a story of you know m- many of the mainstream media outlets are covering all of this. Of course, the ongoing saga that is Twitter, uh, and brands are leaving, employees are leaving. Uh, it has been a crazy week for the organization. Some have estimated that up to. of the employees have now either unwillingly or willingly walked out the door and hit the exits. Certainly the advertisers are doing that, and that's what the ad age is all about. Radio Shack, Slim Jim, Netflix, Instagram, others are all sounding off on Twitter's potential doom. Uh, And uh, some of them are actually leaving. Some of them are actually just trolling Twitter a bit and putting up funny memes uh, and sort of using the situation to, uh, you know, draw in more content and engagement. And then the other that we'll talk about, because this is also certainly happening uh, in real time as we speak, is that, yes, Trump and Kanye are both back, both reinstated. Kanye is the only one who has actually started to tweet again, uh, <laughs> opening up with Shalom, which just, you know, just, you know, it just. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you just you just go, really? Uh, Trump has not come back yet uh, as of at least the recording of this or at least that not have I have seen, but has been invited back and his uh, profile is now activated again after. Uh, Elon has put together a poll where 52%, I believe, of those who participated in the poll actually uh, said that they wanted Donald Trump reinstated. Uh, 
I'll just say this. Uh, we'll link to an article in The Drum, by the way, that talks a little bit about uh, uh, Trump's coming back as well as Kanye coming back. I decided based on that action that I sort of had enough of my uh, content monetizing this foolishness. And so I have not left the platform. My profile is still very much active, but I have basically pinned a tweet to the top of my feed saying, I'm out of here. I've gone fishing until some sanity either comes back or the place burns down one of the two. I just, I don't want my content monetizing that sort of thing anymore. So I'm, so I'm checked out for a bit. Uh, and basically deep diving into Mastodon, which I'm very, very much liking, I have to say. So what do you think about all this Twitter stuff, my friend? What, where, where are you on the spectrum of participating in all this nonsense? I'm, I'm not changing. Actually, I'm, and I totally understand where you're going with it, but I'm not changing anything. Because to me, okay. as a user, yep. nothing, nothing has changed. Outside of the fact that if you just don't want to be a part of the Trump or yay mess, what's, that's fine. But this is interesting. I don't know if you saw this. This is from Peter Yang, who's big in the creator economy. He posted this, and this is from TeamBlind.com. But um, let's just put the, you know, the issues aside about you know personal feelings. They, sure. Basically, what this talked about is all the issues that advertisers are having with the Twitter team because their teams were gone. Yeah, so so basically right. goes through this whole thing and talks about how um, you know performance fell significantly because of all the changes. Of course, there are brand safety issues that they're talking about here, but the big issue is they said our, our entire account team for there were the Twitter team that was servicing all the the advertising of these accounts turned over multiple times in two weeks. It says we had multiple people, AEs, AMs, analysts, creative specialists supporting our account. They all vanished without so much as an email. Uh, and then it talks about the UI being buggy. I mean, that's what happens when, when you basically fire everyone three times and the chaos that has ensued from this. So I think a lot of the, yeah, an advertiser might say, yeah, there's brand safety issues. But when you're not getting any services at all, that's probably a really good reason to leave. You're like, hey, I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't feel good about what's going on with Twitter. Um, so that's the one thing. The other thing, and this is something that I don't know if you're a fan of James Altucher, but he's been talking very much. He's been talking about this recently and saying, "Look, the whole sideshow that you're seeing with Elon. I mean, whatever it it. The whole goal is not to be a social platform. James believes that this is all a setup to create Twitter or recreate Twitter into a digital payments platform. Back to the days of when Elon was was running PayPal." Sure. And I to could basically see that. turn it into X, uh, X, I think. Yeah, and I think that's is. and I think that's yeah. where it's going. So if they're going to go to a completely new business model, I think that that's probably the best bet if you're going to see any kind of value out of it and Elon's 27 billion dollars is is right there because what what did Twitter do in revenue last year? Something like 5, five billion. billion? Yeah. When you look yeah. at like a Meta that does over 100 billion, 118, yeah, yeah. and versus Google at 250, yeah. yeah. You can't, you you can't, even if you tripled or quadrupled the revenue coming out of Twitter, it still wouldn't be valuable enough for what they paid for. So you, so right. hopefully, Elon had in mind that there was a different business model here. I don't know if the payments thing is is actually a thing if it's going to work, but I believe it because why would you have ever? Why would any sane person? <laughs> Who knows, right? How would any sane person have purchased Twitter for that amount of money? 
So yeah. yeah. Well, and that it brings up a great point, which is you know it's often those three are often brought into context with one another, right? You you've got you know Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and uh, you know and, and and Google or TikTok sort of com- as comparatives, right? As business models, and what we have to realize is that it's not. There, you know, Twitter is very much a media company. Um, it is a it is truly a celebrity driven media company. You know where, you know as I said to someone else on social media, Facebook and Google found a utility as a platform and monetized it by adding friction called advertising in between that utility. So using the utility, so Facebook is all about connecting people to people, multiple people to multiple people. And so as a utility, you're on it all the time. You're creating content for consumption by your network. The network's creating content. So it's inherently built to be a people-to-people connector. And Google is, of course, a connector of utility of desires to information, right? So search is all about finding that information, and it's a utility, and that's why everybody on the planet uses it. Twitter is connecting information to a person, a singular celebrity, right? It's following a person and their ideas. So it's not even connecting ideas to ideas. It's connecting, really, ideas to a specific person, which is why it's so celebrity-driven and why the focus on followers and why that's a, you know, a, a badge of honor is to have as many followers as you do and so on and so forth. So it was always destined to be a content creators platform to build celebrity off of that was always its things that thus it becomes a media platform and thus it's always destined to be small you know as i i i say this at one of the beginning of my talks right you know the top 15 box office movies worldwide gross box office movies this year will be less in revenue than oracle did this quarter it's a small business. Yeah. Media business is, for the most part, celebrity-driven media. It. Yes. You just pay way more attention to it than, than the e- economics would, would, would allow you to. And when we take that into account, you're absolutely right. He has to change the business model if he's ever going to realize anything more than $5 billion in revenue. Because $5 billion in revenue for a celebrity-driven media platform is actually not awful right, for how niche it really sure. is. In order to expand it to 10, 15, $20 billion of revenue, you're exactly right. He has to add another business, a fundamental business model underneath it. And payments is the obvious yeah. one that has been, you know, that gives it sort of that quote unquote super app status. I just think, and, you know, Kara Swisher actually has a great Twitter thread uh, on this exact uh, topic where she talks about what he she thinks uh, Elon's ultimate game is here. And she thinks, by the way, that all this sort of throwing the people out the door, you know, the saloon door and into the dirt street is all purposeful because he's going to bring it all the way down, then basically move it to Texas so that the infrastructure costs and the political costs go way down and he can reinvent the company as something different. So he think, she thinks all this is done being done quite purposely. I'm not sure about that. I think, you know, I think <laughs> Occam's razor is definitely in play here, which is the simplest is the is the absolute easiest thing, which is I think he really is trying to 
think of himself as engineering his way out of it and may burn the joint down in doing that. I I, I think it's I, I find it hard that this is really a plan. You know what I mean? I just really don't think this feels much like a plan. It's interesting from a management strategy perspective to watch this in real time. If, right. If this is really a thing. It's, it's, it's yeah. funny. My mom actually asked me about it because she must have been watching the news and this Twitter meltdown. And she said, what's going on with Twitter? And I basically said, you're watching a bad manager manage in real time. Right. And you're That's just right. seeing it affect so many people personally. It's just not good. That's really what we're seeing. So and and to your re- to your point about the size of the company, this this is such a small. It's a mid market size company that we're having Apple yeah, size conversations right. about. So that's right. I I remember. I mean, it brings me back to the dot com days, where I can remember sitting in an all hands meeting in the company that I was part of, and I'll never forget this. I had because I was a senior level part of the management team, I had pretty good insight into the financials of the company. And the, the, we were standing there, and the CEO of the company did an all-hands meeting where he was supposed to be making everybody feel really good. And he said, he announced, we just got a big loan from Microsoft for $30 million. And everybody erupted in cheers, and it was going to be great, and all of that. And, you know, it was going to save the company, this new loan, and it was going to be amazing. And what nobody knew, and I knew because I knew the financials, we were currently burning $15 million per month. Oh In other God. words, yeah. we got about 60 days worth of, of, of float. Yeah, life we got 60 days worth of runway. And so it, we often ascribe sort of these levels of prowess and skill to people because of who they are and where they've stood. Like Elon, he's no doubt a genius engineer and a genius business person in the sense that he's built, what, three, four companies at this point that are that are just so innovative and so successful. But that doesn't mean he's good at turning around a media company and making a success out of Twitter. It just doesn't give him that resume. He could be just as foolish as we are about this. Well, speaking of media companies, let's go on to the next one because I've got to take the yeah. intertwine both of them. But but let's let's talk a little bit about my favorite company. Well, this is your favorite company, and it has been for many years. And so, it's uh, the link that we'll link to is coming courtesy of Axios uh, and Disney. The, the The headline for the Axios article is Disney's big succession fail. So if you missed the news, and again, a lot of media outlets were covering it, Disney has suddenly and quickly replaced Disney CEO uh, Bob Chapek with the former CEO, the revered uh, predecessor, Bob Iger. This is a shocking end, as the Axios article says, and I thought it was too. It's just an absolutely shocking end to a very public, in some ways, power struggle that's been building between these two for a couple of years now. And... The board has concluded, as the article says, that Disney is embarking on an increasingly complex period of industry transformation, and Bob Iger is uniquely situated to lead the company through that. So basically, by process of elimination, saying Bob Chapek is not the guy. Uh, And instantly, like literally the next day, 
the reports started to come out that Bob Iger has started to announce a whole bunch of restructuring for Disney. And as it says, he's wasting no time reorganizing Disney, announcing less than a day after he'd been renamed the company's CEO that he plans to restructure the company in a way that honors and respects creativity as the heart and soul of who we are. He's elevated a number of new executives, uh, and he's uh, basically put in a whole bunch of new people around Disney's entertainment uh, uh, sort of branch, as it were, ESPN, uh, sports content, all sorts of things. The actual restructuring is yet to be sort of reported on, but we'll see. But what do you think of make? I mean, what do you make of all of this? This, this, I think this portends some deeper issues that may be starting to affect other media companies too. Yeah. Well, the first point is that the media business is hard. It is very, yeah, exactly. very difficult. If you have been listening to this show for any time period, media companies are having a difficult time right now because the business model is difficult more than ever. Because why? Every company is a media company and you're That's competing right. with the world. This is the only business model out there that you are literally competing with every other company because we're all trying to build person. an audience and every monetize that audience. Yeah. So right. I don't think I don't think enough people talk about that. Second of all. I don't, I'm not really a big fan of how this was handled, but if you read a book called Disney War by, I believe, James yep. Stewart, which is a fantastic book, this has already happened, folks. This exact thing that's going on oh, yeah. happened in Disney this 20 is... years ago, and it happened 20 years before that. This happens yep. every 15, 20 years at, at, uh, at Disney. So yep. it shouldn't be a surprise. Once they get this cleaned up, just expect that in 15 years, it's going to happen again. It's a very old company. This is what they do. The third thing I want to talk about is, if you remember, we discussed about six months ago, the, the findings that Bob Iger had discussions with Steve Jobs a long time ago about uh, Apple getting involved. And I think this may open the door, Robert. For this type of possibility, I actually did oh, some research. No, I actually did a little bit of research. The market cap on Disney is 174 billion, which is about 10 percent of Apple's market cap. So very, very small. Uh, Apple has 50 billion dollars in cash on hand. They have a lot more in other investments. Uh, it might be back on the table. You could see Bob Iger coming in here for a quick fixer-upper and just spin it right off to the wonderful folks at Apple. I just thought I'd throw that out there because I know you were thinking about it. It's very important. You know, it's really <laughs> sad how you keep latched on to this thing. At some point, I'm going to have to get payment on this bet. Uh, at, at, at some point, in this, I mean, speaking of things that I'm grateful for uh, in 10 years of doing this podcast, listening to you uh, whinge on, as the English might say, about, uh, you know, the oh there I go I I just did the you know, you know. Oh, well well, well here what you made me do to be honest Robert I was ready to pay <laughs> the Chapik yeah. regime I thought it was here to stay had I had no interest in it but all of a sudden it's like this whole bet has been reborn I never saw it coming and here's Bob Iger just ready to make my dream come true and uh, it's fantastic. I'm really excited about this. I don't know how long it's going to be. I, I don't have a timetable in mind yet for this, but it's definitely on the table, don't you think? Well, here's uh, here's what I would say to that, which is I wonder if 
at the heart of this is the streaming challenge, right? Well, those are the uh, losses, I wonder, right? That's the big that's the big right. if you look at the Axios article, they basically the, the company is performing fine except the, for these huge streaming. Except streaming. Losses. That's right. So yeah. And so I and he's always Iger has always been a content guy, right? He's always he's the one who signed the deal with Star Wars and Lucas, uh, you know, and all of the sort of recent, semi recent content deals. He was always around content and 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 I to me the hint was in his statement around restructuring the company around quote unquote creativity. It feels to me like he might jettison some of that more infrastructure type you know thing could i see him selling off the disney streaming product uh and just you know just being in the content business maybe i think it's pretty i mean arguably they've done very well with streaming they're you know i think they're number two or number three now i think um but it's it, it, it would not surprise me to see him break up some of this into a different set of operating companies. Do you think it's a it's a product mix problem? Because and just go with me here for a second. So you you have a very cheap and inexpensive product in streaming, and then you have a whole slew of luxury items. And you have some merchandising in there, of course, but you have and you have the movies, but but you have uh, the cruises. Disney Cruises, and you have the Disney Parks. Very expensive, especially on the park side. They just raise prices again, and they have to raise prices because they're over capacity. I mean, they just have too many people going to the park at an already high price. So you have very cheap and luxury, and you don't have a lot. I'm wondering if, if they had more products in the middle where they could use streaming as sort of the, the, the glue that brings all the audience together and then can upsell from that they just don't have a product mix right yeah well i think that's a i think that's a especially in a 21st century streaming world you know what i mean and and the other thing and we've talked about this on this show many times which is the connection of all those experiences it, there may be a desire to fast track more of the subscription to disney idea where you've got you know subscription to physical experiences like the 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 parks and the cruises, but that also ties into your subscription to the TV network, yep. et cetera, et cetera, and start centralizing some of that subscription idea. You know, your as you've said many times, sort of the Apple One idea for Disney, uh, and I think that's a really interesting move. That I, I I've every indication has been that they're moving in that direction they just maybe they haven't done it fast enough for for uh for Iger's hold hold, taste. hold on one second i'm going to hold it. i got a woodpecker right outside my window so i had to take care of just had to oh my God. <laughs> what it happens i literally <laughs> had a woodpecker it was, and, and i didn't i didn't want to interrupt you but i, I had there's to. a joke right no, there's I'm, a joke sitting a, right was, there it was totally it was near. totally a real yeah. thing anyways yeah. This is interesting. It's a soap opera. Uh, I, I think that I'm really interested in what Iger is going to do, but I tell you it's already happened. So read Disney War. Yeah. And you'll find right. out how it's it is. It's a good book. It is a good book. It's a really good book. It's a great book. It's a really yeah. good book. 
All right, moving on to our next story here, which comes to us courtesy of the Wall Street Journal uh, and talking about CMOs, which I'm always my ears perk up when I see the Wall Street Journal talking about uh, chief marketing officers. And the headline from the Wall Street Journal is that more CMOs are investing in their personal brands. Front page image, by the way, of Jonathan Mildenhall, who I admire greatly. uh, And uh, he used to be the CMO at Airbnb and before that was the head of creative at Coca-Cola. And anyway, the article opens up by saying chief marketing officers are spending more time and increasingly more money to build a different kind of brand, their own. 80% of marketing executives say that they are actively developing their own brands, with more than half of that group planning to invest more time and resources, according to a survey of 186 executives conducted uh, in November by the CMO Council, a trade group that includes more than 16,000 marketers. Their goals range from simple self-promotion to marketing their employers in a different way than usual. Efforts can include carefully composed LinkedIn posts uh, from uh, corporate leadership to their costumes at a recent Halloween party. That's a very interesting, Jeez. very oddly specific yep. example. <laughs> um, many executives have helped crafting and sharing their material, in some cases outsourcing most of the process to ghostwriters or third-party firms. Uh, basically, they're hiring marketing firms to market the marketing of their CMO. Jonathan Mildenhall, co-founder and chair of consulting firm 21st Century Brand and former CMO of Airbnb, said modern marketers have to invest in their own brands to do their work effectively. As Mildenhall said, the CMO's work is always in the public domain, and the CMO should have the closest proximity to the community that the business serves. Uh, so what do you think about this? I, have, I definitely have a take on this, um, and uh, uh, would love to hear yours. Well, the answer is, is if there's a question, yes, absolutely. Uh, this should be done. It has been done, and it's been a part of media uh, ever since I got involved over 20 years ago. When we, when we had an open position for a publisher position, we looked for somebody who already had an audience, who already had a following, because it was a halo effect on the rest of the business. It was easier to sell partners in. It was easier to attract new readers if the person leading the company was known. Done. Of course. It's an, is it better to have somebody who's really known and respected in the industry than not? Okay. <laughs> so what do you do if that's not the case? Well, you want to build up your audience, your notoriety in the community. You do that through ongoing content creation. You get on podcasts. You do guest po- You do all the things that we talk about on this show. So I, I, I love that the Wall Street Journal is talking about this, but uh, I don't know if this is news. I think this is just yeah, of course. And why why Indeed. don't people know this? So well, I think all professionals really. I mean, you could you could you could have you could have expanded this to not only talk about. I mean, you know, CMOs makes it a, a somewhat sexy. Yeah, but this is happening in the world of CEOs. It's happening in the world of CMOs, uh, even to some extent CFOs, COOs, and even lower right VPs, managers. The idea now of building your presence is one of the biggest pieces of advice is that I give to uh, young people that are coming into the workforce, which is your resume is great, but you need to build up some form of content platform. Like you need to start to build your public profile in the business that you're in, whatever business you're going to be in. Um, whether you're a coder, whether you're a uh, manager in marketing, or whether you're a PR professional, or whether you're a salesperson, having a platform where you have levels of visibility and a following 
is for right or for wrong. Uh, and it goes all the way back to our Twitter idea and what we even just talked about with Disney. For right or for wrong, it is how companies are looking at new employee acquisition, you know, That's and right. differentiation in new employee acquisition is that you know a little something about something. Now, having said that, you have to be really careful, right? You have to be careful about what it is you're doing because you live by your content, you also die by your content. And how you start to appear in social media is really a reflection of, you know, that personal brand. Just know what you're getting into. You have to understand that if you're going to take a strong position on things like politics or topics that are relatively controversial in today's world, just know that you may miss opportunities or be given opportunities based on that, right? So in many ways, the content marketing practices that we've been teaching brands for so long apply to individuals as well. And it gets to your whole point about media companies are everybody now. And we are all in many ways competing for an audience. It just may be that the audience are potential employers sure. in, in this particular case. I, I think, interestingly, where this article didn't go, and I thought it might, is that what I see a lot of happening in CMO worlds these days is sort of what I call the celebrity CMO, where businesses are hiring CMOs more for their visibility and uh, celebrity status than their uh, than their actual practitioner chops, yeah. right? And there are companies I, you know, on my client list, I, 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 there are companies that have experienced both. I have seen them experience both, and often what I'm seeing now is there is some degree of desire to hire that celebrity CMO because they can become a lightning rod you know, for public speaking and for writing books and for being, you know, sort of a figurehead, much like the way you might do a CEO in some cases. But also then you hire a head of marketing who is knows what she uh, is doing. And that is, I think, a really important part of this because you as a practitioner in marketing can make that choice was, and should make no, that I choice. No, I think that's a great point. I forgot. Who was the, the chief marketing officer at... Uh General Electric that you and I both tried to get to speak at Content Marketing. Oh, it, it's um, uh, 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 I'm blanking I, on her name right now. I am too. Um, but what, but at that time when she was CMO, she was really going around and doing all the events and getting on CNBC in the morning. And Linda Boff, right, was it was below her, like doing all the do not didn't doing all the work, but she was sort of the the strategy person, execution person, got it all done, while the CMO was out there being celebrity CMO. And I thought that was a pretty good way to do it. Right, Beth Comstock. Beth Comstock, thank you. Because yes. Beth was it. I mean, um, remember at that time, Beth was speaking at almost every marketing event on the planet. Exactly. She was on CNBC. She was yeah. talking, and she's brilliant, by the way. She she's you know she wrote a book, um, and you know, really, really elevated the idea of content, content marketing, and, you know, and, and to all the conferences. And, you know, we're in many ways, so many case studies were written, and she won so many awards and all that sort of stuff. And then, yeah, but Linda, who is now the CMO of GE, is a full-on practitioner. And, and I'm not suggesting that Beth isn't a practitioner. I'm just suggesting that it's a great example of 
how the the personal brand part of it, right? You know, it's, in, in other words, there's there's how you see yourself, of course, and then there's how the world sees you, and the brand is how the world sees you. And the world saw Beth as a celebrity CMO who, you know, spoke a lot and had a lot of things to say, generally speaking, around strategy and was interviewed and wrote that book, et cetera. And Linda is a practitioner. Linda yes. is seen as a as a as an operator. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a fascinating it's a fascinating time. Yeah. So I I mean the I, I spoke to a group of uh, a class that that zoomed me in. It was a digital content creation class, which by itself was amazing. That the, the title of the class was digital content creation, and they were all asking, "What do I need to do to get a job?" And I basically said, "If you learn how to build an audience, I don't care in what niche. Doesn't matter what niche it is. Yeah, it could be photography. Exactly it could be it. butterflies. I don't care what it is. If you can build an audience, <laughs> you will get hired because that's all. That's what marketers." Uh, you know, or marketing organizations are looking for. You know, how to, you know, how to do all the things to attract and retain an audience and monetize that audience. That's it. That's, so that's, like, that's it. I'm doing. That's every job, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So and be consistent on something. It's like don't have <clears throat> exactly. Well, that's it. Consistency. The, the consistency in the long term, right? You just can't. You can't fall for the short game here. You've got to. You've got to be willing to play the long game, and that's where making a plan this is what you're so good at is 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 making a long-term plan with goals and setting those goals and and really leaning into that the execution of a long-term plan that's the real that's the real key here that's you know that's what makes this work yeah patience sucks it really i mean (laughs) really you have to that's unfortunately you when you get into this business it's like the num it's the number one thing you have to be is patient because 100%. it does not happen overnight. It takes a long... And then you just see every week, you see a little bit of progress toward it. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, three years go by and you're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're there. We're like, we're, we're good. But getting to that point, very challenging. Yeah, so speaking of patience, uh, and a quick story before we get to our rants and raves, uh, the, this is maybe the best example of patience. Mr. Beast, uh, the headline says, from the News and Observer... Uh, is the world's most popular YouTuber, and now he's sharing his sec- his secret techniques at ECU. Uh, the article opens up by saying, as the world's most crowd-pleasing YouTuber, Jimmy, Mr. Beast Donaldson, has filmed himself eating a six-foot slice of pizza, driving a car built out of Legos, riding a thousand laps in a Ferris wheel, and perhaps most famously counting to 100,000 out loud without leaving his chair, an exercise in self-torture that lasted 40 hours. At 24, the Greenville native routinely draws more than 100 million eyeballs to his videos, an online career so successful, he recently passed out iPhones on Halloween and gave a million dollars to the winner of a hide-and-seek game. He's been known to pass out $100 bills from an ice cream truck, hand a homeless man a stack of gift cards, offer a Walmart employee $10,000 to quit her job, capturing their flabbergasted faces on film. Is it film? Is it really film? It's not film. Okay. Anyway, now Mr. Beast is offering what may be his grandest gesture ever, the know-how for doing what he does. Along with East Carolina University, he will soon offer an online course to teach the filming, editing, and analytical skills required of any YouTube content creator. No ECU enrollment is required. Mr. Beast's online empire with five YouTube channels with a combined 20 billion views employs more than 100 people, none of whom, he said, came with pre-packaged savvy. We pooled everything, he said. You're not going to get a more aggregated source of knowledge than this course. What do you think? I mean, this is this is interesting, is it not? 
personally, my personal opinion is I think that I thought you were going to go. So <laughs> I'm trying not to because we'd all be we'd, we'd both be drunk yeah. and we couldn't do the show. Yeah. The what what Jimmy Donaldson has accomplished is amazing. Hats off for everything. And, and the fact that it's a course, I love it. He really, I really do feel like, I don't know the kid personally, but it really does feel like he wants to give back. He says he does. He gives a ton to charity. He I really, I really feel like uh, one of the good guys. Yeah. Here's the, here's the challenge for anyone who's targeting marketers or content creators. A, a Jimmy Donaldson, a Mr. Beast can, can turn on a dime and target the audience that you're trying to target. And they have a huge audience. It was funny. I was just listening uh, Jay Klaus and Darren Smith were talking on the 10K Creator podcast, and Jay brought this up and said, "There's amazing content creators out there in any industry out there. They can just turn and say, 'Oh, I'm going to teach somebody to do what I'm doing.' They they could have a million followers, 10 million, whatever the case is. And that's what I thought about when I saw this: is that you're going to have more. Like even in, I, I'm in this industry, so I'm trying to target content creators, content entrepreneurs. I'm in the creator economy." Uh, ecosphere, if you will, and you you get somebody like a Mr. Beast coming along. I can't compete with his course, you know. I can't do that, right? And That's so right. I love. I mean, we should talk about this and revere what he's doing, and he's going to do great things. And he wants to be the president of the United States. He probably will be. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, we've seen we've seen weirder stuff happen. But I think from just an analytical aspect and looking at this, if you are in the marketing space and the content creation space, this is going to happen over and over again. It's very tough to compete uh, from an educational standpoint when you've got people that, that do a 180 and say, oh, I'm going to teach everybody my skills. And they'll well, listen. Well, that's the thing. That's that's the thing, right? Which maybe this is the title of the show, the theme of the show, which is the media business is hard. And... What ends up happening is is that you have someone like this who creates a course and it sounds like it's a recipe and it's not. It's not going to be a recipe. You, you will not come out of that course and be guaranteed if you just follow these eight steps, you'll become Mr. Beast. You just won't. Because why? Because Mr. Beast is Mr. Beast and you're not. And maybe it'll work out for you and maybe it won't work out for you, but it takes more than just following the best practices of what he said. You have to actually create something that people want to hear and witness and do. And that that's the hard part of being a media company, right? It's not the it's not the business model. The business model is relatively straightforward and simple. You know, I mean it takes learning and there's there's things to do there, but the business model is simple. The marketing plan is relatively straightforward and simple. It's not unlike a lot of businesses. But it's the, you know, it's the content creation part. That's the hard part, right? Coming up with something interesting that people want to listen to or witness or experience. That now you've now you've you know that's when you've cracked well, it, and that yeah that never comes in a bottle. It's that will a, not come in a bottle. It's such a great point; it cannot be overstated. Let's just look at Mr. Beast for an example. Started with his videos on YouTube in 2012, 2012, 13, 14, 15 was not making hardly any money. Four years of producing videos. 2016, that's right. Got to thirty thousand subscribers. Started making a little bit. Two thousand. Then it really took off. So he basically was was doing consistent videos for over five years. 
until he got to a point where he could at least make some kind of scratch from it. So just put that, not a lot of people have that kind of patience. More than anything else, the media business is about showing up every day and doing your thing. And then he got on that streak and now he can do no wrong because the, the, you know, once, once you become successful, it just feeds upon itself. And that's what he's doing. And that's been the way it's been forever, right? Yeah. I mean, let's not forget that the Beatles were the Beatles for 10 years in obscurity before they became the Beatles. That's right. So if you want to become a successful media company. You, love what you yeah, do. I love what you do for three to five years of obscurity yeah. before you get to a point where you might, you know, you might be able to find a business model or hit on something. Even even that's- the folks at Morning, at Morning Brood, actually, what they did was fairly quickly. But they still started in what sixteen? It's not that you can't catch fire, yeah, right. I mean, you know, it's not that you, you know, Justin Bieber is a great example of somebody who caught fire. Um, you know, um, that great comedian. I'm forgetting his name. Um, who just started as a YouTube. Ah, I'm forgetting his name. Just did the special, the Inside special. Um, oh shoot! He, he, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he caught fire too, right? There have been so many examples of people who catch fire, but just know that that's the exception, not the rule. And when you catch fire, you could be a ten-year, oh, you know, a ten-year yeah. overnight success. Bo Burnham is what you're talking about, right? Bo Burnham, exactly. Which, Genius. I don't know if that was an over, even an overnight sensation. No, he was doing stuff for a long yeah. time on YouTube, but it wasn't years. I don't believe. I, I, I believe he a couple of years, you know, multiple years idea. All right. Well, let's get to our rants and raves section where Joe and I go off in a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave. Before we do that, however, if you want to get all the goodness of this week's show, including all the show, we got a bunch of links uh, for the show notes this time. Um, or if you want to dive into any of the other 350 episodes, won't you just get on? You know, this is a great way to spend your Black Friday, right? Don't go shopping. Go listen to a bunch of episodes of This Old Marketing. You can do that at thisoldmarketing.site. Also remember, even though I'm not on Twitter, I will be checking Twitter. So hashtag us up with the, this old marketing uh, and give us story ideas. We love those story ideas. We need those story ideas. We breathe those story ideas. Um, and uh, yeah, so let's get a rant. We want you on that here, feed. We need you on we that feed. Want you, we need you on that feed. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Why don't I go That's first? Exactly because right. uh, okay. you have your your thankful message that you do every That's year. That's right. And I want yes. to hear. Uh, so this is a this is a rave. Our friend uh, Jacob Donnelly, who runs a media operator, great newsletter that we've been subscribed to for a year. With all this platform mess with Twitter that's going on, and you know what I believe about the conspiracies with TikTok and other platforms. Anyways, there's there's a a lot of focus from people like Jacob uh, talking about what we should focus on if we can't you know write home about Twitter and focus on that and know if it's going to be around tomorrow. So I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs from what Jacob put together. They really hit home for me. And Jacob says, every media company, content creator, should start a newsletter. From the beginning, you're building something you control. And while we can't control if platforms change their inbox strategies, the simple fact that we can push content gives us a significant Leg up. Of course, blasting out a tweet doesn't guarantee anyone can see it. And good luck if you think Facebook will send you traffic these days. The game must be about converting the traffic into an owned audience. And goes on and says, I love SEO. It's where I got my start. But I'm not deluded into thinking I can depend on Google forever. Keyword interest changes. 
and Upstart's attempt to capture the top positioning. But if I convert users from Google into an owned audience, I become less reliant as time goes on. And so basically, he talks about, says, for a solid decade, many media operators thought that they could build a sustainable business on the backs of other platforms. Those days are dying. I would say they're dead. Owned audiences are the future like they always should have been. So, Robert, it comes back to the same thing we've been talking about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Control your data. Control your distribution. If you don't control the distribution of your content, your business model is at risk. I think that if we don't wake up to that particular point at this time with what's going on around us, we've got a problem as a marketer or content creator. We need to wake up, make changes in your strategy now just in case something happens to those other platforms, which they most likely, if history repeats itself, which it always does, we're probably going to be in trouble with Instagram and with TikTok and with anything else that comes down. Um, so make those changes while you can. So I, anyways, I kudos out to, to Jacob and a media operator for, for wise words again. It's great. It's a great point. Yeah, it's a wonderful point. You know, and, it, and it, by the way, it speaks that speaks directly to you know, the Disney thing, right? Where we'll see what happens, but I cannot imagine them losing Disney Plus because controlling that distribution is is such a huge key. And it's actually how do you how do you double down on that, right? How do you double down on on controlling that supply chain? Uh, it's a it's a you know it's a big thing. Yeah, yeah but for sure. that's funny. But think about that. So they're they're they look at everything in their own compartments, and I get that, right? So they're saying, "Oh my God, we're investing so much into Disney Plus and whatever." But what if that was just the lost leader? Just say, right. That's just right. Just treat it that exactly. way. Just say we're going to say Amazon Prime. Yeah, right. we're going to we're going to lose Prime. ten billion yeah. on this or twenty billion on this every year to make a hundred billion dollars in everything else we do. That's right. I don't know. I don't get the the uh, myopic thinking when it comes to that, but whatever. And sir, Have you met Wall Street? Have you met Wall Street? Yeah, I know. Um, it's the just it's the next <laughs> quarterly. Yeah. I mean, if you looked yeah. if you looked a year ago, you'd have said Disney, oh my God, perfect. Chapek's doing amazing. And now everything's changed in the last six yeah. months. It's crazy. All right. Well, you know, I'll end on this, which is the this is, as, as you have kindly pointed out to me, this is something that I do a lot uh, at this time of year. And it's, you know, gratitude is, I have always believed that gratitude is one of the most powerful emotions that we have in terms of helping us manifest the things that we want in our lives. Um, and one of the key things that I have learned, and that is especially true this year as we've had, you know, I mean, this year has been a mixed bag for me, right? The summer kind of sucked. Uh, from a business perspective, but from a family perspective, it was great. The spring was okay. Uh, early part of the year was like hard, really hard. Um, and then the end of this year, uh, I'm flying high. It's feeling amazing. So I always sort of, it reminds me of this thing that I learned a long time ago that I constantly forget and I, and I always want to remember, which is what eyes am I judging this with, right? What eyes am I currently looking through? And, you know, I won't belabor all of that here, but basically I've got my child's eyes, my adult eyes, my cynical eyes, my ego eyes, et cetera. And I ask myself that because any one of those sets of eyes is going to color any judgment I have on having gratitude for something. 
and this can have a lot of wonderful applications this particular year as you're thinking about a good content strategy, you're thinking about coding up your next project, you're thinking about your friends at dinner, you're thinking about the time off that you're going to have, you're thinking about your pipeline, whatever it may be for you is one of the sets of eyes that I promise you will be paid so much dividends is the lens of gracious gratitude for everything, looking at everything, even something like Trump coming back or politics or whatever your particular uh, persuasion is there, thinking of it through grace's gratitude. Uh, because what happens is, is that if you can find the gratitude for something, it not only helps you do something differently or helps you do something more or double down, but it also helps you really think about how that thing is going to impact you in a positive way, everything, how it can impact you in a positive way. In other words, you may not like the direction, you may not like the source of this thing you're looking at, you may be discouraged, you may be really you know, unencouraged by where you find yourself, but if you have that gracious gratitude lens that you can look through, you can have the gratitude that's going to help you think and act differently in this particular now. And so this Thanksgiving, as I move into it with my family, I'm so grateful for you, my friend. I am grateful for this show. I am grateful for my business. I am grateful for uh, my ability to have what I call the bandwidth of choice. In other words, to me, abundance, when I think about abundance and the, you know, the being thankful for Thanksgiving and the abundant you know, food and wealth and privilege and all the things that we sort of give thanks to, is for me, it's always about the bandwidth of choice. How wide are my choices? Because when you feel really rich, when you feel really abundant, and you're really uh, feeling good about that, usually what that means is, is that your bandwidth of choice is wide. You have lots and lots of choices that all you know, point to the things that you want to do, the people you want to spend time with, the activities you want to do, and all of that. So just take a moment. I encourage, it's really helped me to look through everything, all of the weirdness, craziness, circus, chaos, things that are going through those gracious eyes. And I promise you, it feels really good. And uh, it will hopefully have a wonderful holiday for you too. So that's it. Uh, well, thank you. I'm, I'm very thankful for you and this show. And I think that that's wise, sage advice, sir, to, uh, I mean, a lot of these, let's get, let's get honest, right? A lot of these issues that we always have in this business it's i mean the first world issues <laughs> on steroids yeah, that's right I mean, that's come, exactly right we are all that's blessed right. we, uh and sometimes we just have to i guess take a moment to smell the roses as they say but uh yeah be you know, i i found my my wife does this amazingly well when she's always thankful for a lot of different people in her life and she'll just send out a random note yeah or in the mail yep. and she's just, good that just way. do a little yep. thankful message to them and that that just makes such an impact on people because uh, you're the people that are impactful on your life probably don't get to hear it enough exactly so, exactly great way to put it. well you got uh you got you got family dinner do you did uh, you're going by the to, time yeah, you're yeah, going, going to see yeah. family for you know i've got some a lot of driving to do uh and uh i'll do that <laughs> as i always do Good. there you and go we'll take the family down and we'll get together and uh and say and, and be be thankful as we're talking about on this on this episode how about you sir 
Wonderful. I'm going up to the beach with the family, and we're going to spend some time up in our favorite place up in Santa Barbara and just, yeah, have a little time on the beach, have a cocktail or five, and um, uh, eat some food and step away from computer screens. That's my main goal is to step away from computer screens for a few days. All right. That is it. Remember, folks, we'll see you next week for a regular old episode. And until then, remember, it's your story. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.